Hey everybody, this is Kylie Gable. Welcome to another episode of the Candy Apple Press podcast known as the Feminization Boudoir. And I'm here to tell you there are two types of people in this world. There are the people who believe that the show must go on and the people who don't. And I am part of the first group. I have had to postpone episodes a few times in the history of this podcast, but I take my goal of putting out a new episode every week very seriously. And um, as a result, we're doing a real quick change as to what is actually being played on this podcast tonight. Uh, next week, I am going to have two two stories. One from our very own listener, Sissy Brenda, uh, entitled The Seven Levels of Fear. And I'm also going to have another April story from Miss Jen Davis entitled April's New Best Friend. So look for that next week. This week we're going to go into that um, Audible collection again. And I'm going to actually play an entire audio for you, a 50-minute audio, entitled Feminized by His Lesbian Neighbors. I hope that if you like this podcast, you'll consider buying the audio. Even more, if you really like it, I would love it if you'd consider signing up and using your credits. Because if you do that and you stay on the system for three months, including the first month, which is free, you wind up getting like 50 bucks, which is a pretty good deal. So if you like audiobooks, you know, and I have a bunch on there too. I think I have eight. So you can just use your credits on my stuff if you want. But if you use that first credit on my... Um, on one of my audiobooks, that's $50 for me, which is a really nice chunk of change that I can use right now. In the meantime, the story we're doing is called Feminized by His Lesbian Neighbor. It's gotten really good feedback on um, Amazon, which is the reason I, I picked this particular story. Uh, I hope you like it. He felt ridiculous, stumbling back and forth across the living room, his heels clacking on their hardwood floor. They watched him carefully, making comments like, be sure to sway those hips, and keep your head up, be proud of your boobs. I can't do this, he complained. I don't see what choice you really have, said the attractive blonde picking up the remote control. He knew what that meant. In a few short hours, he had learned to respect the power that those remotes gave the two women. They were demanding way too much now. He couldn't walk like a woman, let alone talk like one and even act like one. Remember, it's only going to be more embarrassing for you if people believe you are a guy in a dress and not the attractive woman you appear to be, reminded the brunette. It's getting late, and you haven't even seen the maid's quarters, said the blonde. Maid's quarters? He couldn't believe what he was hearing. He ran a bank. He didn't dust. They couldn't be serious. Taking a pair of steel handcuffs from out of her pocket, the blonde woman ordered him up the stairs. This had all been a terrible mistake. Lance Hennessy lifted the Houston Astros baseball hat from his brow and wiped the accumulated sweat of the last 15 minutes with the back of his forearm. He watched over his lawn the same way that a mother protects her baby, always aware of the surroundings and conscious of any threat. If, God forbid... A weed appeared in the lush and verdant green. Lance was on it, ready to intercede. During the week, 
Lance was the 30-year-old manager of the Oakdale branch of the Premier Trust Bank. It was a lot of responsibility for such a young man, even if he had earned his MBA dreaming of a life working in the big city and not the western suburbs where he had grown up. Now Lance loved Oakdale. He had grown up in the suburb of Rolling Hills, abundant parks, and quarter-of-a-million-dollar houses. It wasn't the poshest place to live, but it certainly wasn't the poorest either. It had one big thing that other communities did not, a moral bedrock of the sort of strong values that had built America. Kids pulled wagons or rode bikes down the street, blissfully unaware that a couple of miles away was the war zone of the urban jungle. Families went to church together, decorated their houses at Christmas, and waved hello to each other as they passed by on Walton Street. As Lance looked over at the driveway next to his, he saw a red Infiniti G25 parked there. The old Willoughby house had gone unsold for three months, at an asking price of 375000 Lance had begun to worry that an abandoned house could attract a criminal element to the block. His fears appeared to be misguided, though, as he saw a very attractive woman exit the house with Frank Beale, a member of the Chamber of Commerce and the realtor who sold Lance his home. Lance, called Beale. I want you to meet Leah Marks. She's your new neighbor. Hi, Frank, called back Lance, who was noticing just how beautiful his new neighbor was. She was only about five foot three, and she had large and expressive electric blue eyes that reminded him of Olivia Wilde. She had the look of the type of woman a very successful man would want to have on his arm. Having had so little luck with the dating game lately, Lance couldn't help but feel jealous of her husband. So, you bought the Willoughby place. You're going to love Oakdale. It's a great place to raise kids, he said. Hi, Lance, she said, shaking his hand with a surprisingly firm grip for a small girl possessing small hands and perfectly manicured nails. I'm not even married yet, but the house is fantastic. I'm looking forward to moving in. I always wanted a big basement. Well, if you need any help, just give me a call, beamed Lance. He scarcely believed his luck that an attractive single woman had just moved in next to him. He had already made up his mind that he would invite her over for a housewarming dinner. He'd grill some steaks, open a good bottle of wine and start his pursuit before Rory Cooper, the lecherous golf pro down the block, had a chance to make his move. Over the course of the next week, Lance waited patiently as Leah moved in. He saw her directing professional movers, which bummed him out because he had wanted to swoop in to help her carry heavy furniture into the house. He watched as she moved in clothes, knickknacks, and odds and ends with the help of a couple of her friends. He didn't see any guy around. This gave him a great deal of confidence— and one day, as he saw her struggling to carry some groceries from her car, he made his move. Hold up there. That's a lot of groceries for such a little thing to be carrying, he called as he raced over from his own home to snatch several bags out of her hand. Oh, thanks, Lance, she said amiably. I appreciate the help. Don't think anything of it, Leah. I'm just being neighborly. Say, do you have any plans for dinner? Well, no, I guess not, she replied pensively. You know, I've got these great steaks, and there's no way I can eat them both. I was wondering if you would like to come over for dinner tonight. You'd be doing me a big favor, really. That's very sweet of you, Lance, but I don't want to trouble you. It's no trouble at all. Like I said, you'd be doing me a favor. Well, when you put it that way, thank you. That'd be great. When do you want me? How about 6.30? That'll give me a chance to get the grill going and all. 
After depositing the groceries on Leah's kitchen table, Lance practically raced home to get changed and put everything in order. His house was already clean, but a little extra dusting never hurt anything, and he couldn't remember if the wine should be chilled or allowed to breathe, so he opened the bottle and then put it into the refrigerator. He showered, changed his clothes, and put on some romantic music before starting the grill. By the time Leah arrived, she was already having second thoughts. It hadn't occurred to her that she might be giving off the wrong vibe to her new neighbor, but that was definitely Harry Connick Jr. singing It Had to Be You coming from inside the house. When Lance answered the door, wearing an expensive navy dress shirt and khaki pants, she knew that she had made a mistake. She clenched the bottle of wine firmly in her hand and tried to come up with a way to let her neighbor down without making an enemy. This isn't a date, is it, Lance? No, I just, well, I love a good ribeye. It's the most flavorful cut of beef, but it's so big for one person. Good, she smiled. I really appreciate the dinner, and I could use some good company, but I'm already spoken for. I'm actually engaged to be married. No ring? That's a long story, but we've picked out invitations already and everything. Well, I hope you'll be happy. I just wish I had seen you first. He tried to cover up his disappointment with chivalry. Do you want me to go, Lance? I'd understand. I'm sorry if I was giving off the wrong signals. Don't be silly. Those steaks aren't going to eat themselves. I see you brought wine, but I actually already have a bottle that I'm letting breathe. We'll have this bottle another time. Great, she said. I love your house. It was an awkward dinner. Lance really tried to be a good neighbor, but it was clear that without the possibility of a tryst, this woman had little to offer him. While he was conservative, she was liberal. While he enjoyed football, she loved soccer. He believed moral decay was destroying our country, but she believed in what he called moral relativism. When he mentioned that he believed we should ban immigration to the United States from unstable countries, she politely excused herself, thanking him for a wonderful evening. Lance was disappointed, but he had been rejected by girls before. Besides, the more he talked with her, the more he realized that they weren't very compatible. Still, he wouldn't have minded giving her a role in the sheets. One thing hadn't changed. She was still the best-looking female in the neighborhood, and even that adulation seemed to be damning her with faint praise. Things changed for Lance in a big way the following week. He was out edging his lawn when a very attractive tall blonde woman exited a cab wearing the uniform of a United States Marine. Lance had played enough video games to recognize that she was a corporal. As she walked toward the front steps, carrying a duffel bag in her arms, Leah came racing out of the house and right into the arms of that Marine. Oh my God, Carrie, I can't believe that you're finally here, she shouted as the two embraced. He stood there staring slack-jawed, as they kissed deeply and passionately. Leah was a dyke. He couldn't believe it. As a Marine, Carrie had been trained to notice her surroundings. She saw the neighbor staring at them and became very uncomfortable. She could see the look of disgust on his face, and she glared back in his direction before allowing Leah to lead her into the house. Leah said, "'You've got to see this place. It's everything we wanted.' As the two women went inside hand in hand, Lance fumed. This was a respectable family neighborhood, and he wanted it to stay that way. There were more artistic neighborhoods where, 
Alternative lifestyles were not only accepted but celebrated. They didn't belong in Oakdale, that was for sure. Even worse than having lesbians living in his neighborhood, this couple lived next door to him doing all sorts of unnatural things at all hours of the day and night. The more Lance thought about it, the angrier he got. Leah couldn't quite figure out what had gotten him so upset, but she knew that he no longer smiled and waved to her when he saw her outside. Instead, she found only an icy glare to greet her. She did everything that she could do to break the ice with little success. Finally, she decided that if he got to know Carrie, maybe he'd loosen up. Everybody loved Carrie. Leah knew her as the best lover she had ever had of any gender, and also as the sort of friend who would have your back no matter what. One day, Lance was out weeding his bushes when Leah brought a reluctant Carrie with her to meet Lance. Hey, Lance, I wanted to introduce you to my fiancé, Carrie. Hmph, he replied without really looking up. Hi, Lance, said Carrie, offering her hand. I heard that you were a big help to Leah getting moved in. Yeah, said Lance, acting like his hands were too dirty to properly shake. We have some cold beer, Lance. You want... started Leah. I have to get back to my gardening. Leah saw Carrie roll her eyes and motioned for her to come back home with her. If Leah was disappointed in Lance's behavior, Carrie was fuming. She hadn't gone to some godforsaken desert halfway around the world to protect her country, only to be disrespected by this asshole upon her return. They couldn't drum you out of the Marines for being a lesbian anymore but she knew that she was treated differently by some of the men once they found out. Bigotry sucked, and she wasn't going to put up with it. She went back home with Leah that day, but from that point on, she matched icy glares with Lance in a cold war of dirty looks. Lance's anger only grew as his other neighbors seemed to accept Carrie and Leah. Chuck, who was a tough-as-nails fireman and had the best stories to share over a cold beer, instantly hit it off with Carrie. When Lance saw her and Leah babysitting Chuck's two boys, he could only wonder what irreparable harm might come to those boys from exposure to deviant lifestyles. He felt he had to intervene. On a warm summer evening, he saw Chuck and Eileen sitting on the porch, and they were actually the ones to bring it up. "'Hey, your new neighbors seem nice, Lance,' said Eileen. "'Really? What they're doing to each other doesn't turn your stomach at all?' he asked." Live and let live, Lance. They're not harming anybody, snapped Eileen. Aren't they? asked Lance. This used to be a good neighborhood to raise kids in. It still is, sighed Eileen. It's not like you have kids anyway. I just don't think you should let your kids around them. It's not natural. That Carrie is a hero, you know. She saw people in her unit blown apart right next to her. Some of the shit she saw? I don't know how I would have handled it, said Chuck. Yeah, she's a Marine or something, but I don't want that stuff next door to me. She's more than that, Lance. Cut her some slack, advised Chuck. God, I can't believe this political correctness crap has gotten to you, too, complained Lance. There's nothing PC about it. You got lucky, said Eileen. You got good neighbors and you should appreciate them. Look, you guys are my friends, but I don't think I'll ever be able to accept them as my neighbors, Let's just drop it, suggested Lance. Okay, Lance, but I'm telling you, open up that mind a bit, said Chuck. Lance spent the night with Chuck and Eileen and had a great time. 
but something still gnawed at him, and it only got worse because his neighbors had no trouble socializing with the new lesbian couple on the block. That meant he found himself isolated from his own neighbors because the very sight of either Carrie or Leah would send him scurrying. He even began to think that Carrie would deliberately come out to talk to Chuck just to annoy him. Little things that Carrie and Leah did bothered him. When Leah suntanned in the backyard, he found it scandalous, even though she was wearing a fairly conservative bathing suit. When they parked both of their cars in the driveway, despite having a perfectly good garage, he found it to be an eyesore, even though the cars were regularly cleaned and well-maintained. Worst of all, sometimes he could hear music from their house, which, he was sure, must have been against some kind of ordinance. Finally, one evening he could take no more. He had found that Carrie and Leah had gone out with Chuck and Eileen to a basketball game, and that bothered him. He was their usual guest for sporting events, and jealousy got the best of him. Seeing both of their cars parked in the driveway, he grabbed the antenna off of Leah's infinity and bent it over his knee, throwing it on their front lawn. His pulse was racing, but when nobody turned on their front porch light or yelled at him, he decided he was safe. Five minutes later, he was outside with a large knife and slitting all eight tires on the two cars. A combination of giddiness and fear gripped him as he went inside his own house and put the knife safely away, in case the police were called. He watched television that night until the basketball game ended. Then he turned off all the lights and crouched down by his front window where he could hear Carrie and Leah's reactions. He felt like an evil genius as he waited for his neighbors to return. About twenty minutes later, he got the show he had hoped for. "'What the fuck?' cried Carrie. "'All of my tires are flat. They've been slashed.' "'Who would do such a thing?' asked Leah. "'Yours were slashed, too,' said Carrie while inspecting the damage further. "'We better call the police and file a report,' said Leah. "'I'm going to kill him.' said Carrie, picking up the car antenna. This is a fucking hate crime. Wait, pleaded Leah. How do you even know it's Lance? Oh, come on, snapped Carrie. Who else could it be? Just about anybody, replied Leah patiently. I'm calling the cops. Carrie was off like a flash. Before Leah even had the number dialed, she was pounding on Lance's front door and ringing the doorbell. Lance could feel his heart pounding in his chest. "'Come on out and face me, you little chicken shit,' demanded Carrie. "'You want to say something to us? Say it to our faces.' Lance didn't want to admit to what he had done, so he decided to just remain still. Even if he had been asleep, Carrie was making enough racket that there would be no way to sleep through all of it. "'He's probably not home,' called out Leah. "'Oh, he's home, all right. "'You're going to wake up the neighbors. "'Let's let the police deal with it,' pleaded Leah." If you fuck with us anymore, I'm going to kick your ass, warned Carrie. I will put you in a hospital, and that's not a threat, that's a promise. The way she said it sent a chill up Lance's spine. He had no doubt that she was very serious at this moment, but he was also pretty sure that a woman, even a Marine, was hardly a threat to him. He could hear Carrie walk down his front steps and back over to Leah. He remained unmoving by his front door, and listened nervously as they talked to the police about the incident. He needn't have worried. The police agreed with the women that he was probably responsible, but without any evidence there wasn't really anything that they could do. He was really going to get away with it.
He slept very well that night, feeling like he was untouchable. Getting away with slashing their tires emboldened Lance. He found more and more ways to mess with Leah and Carrie behind their back. Leah tried her best to ignore him, but that wasn't Carrie's way. At one point, she saw him watering his lawn and took three quick steps in his direction. Lance immediately dropped the hose and fled back inside to the derisive laughter of the tall blonde who called him a little bitch of a wimp. Lance did some very mean things to the lesbian couple, including breaking windows, stealing mail, and reporting them to the village for having one of their bushes above ordinance height, which cost them a $50 fine. Lance thought he could carry out these attacks with impunity, until one day he returned home from the bank to find his beloved lawn had been destroyed by a liberal application of weed killer. His lawn had been his pride and joy, and now those two bitches had gone too far, he decided. This meant war. The following Saturday, Lance heard the women talking to Chuck about catching up with old friends that night. He knew that they'd be gone most of the night. Still angry over the destruction of his prized lawn, Lance waited for nightfall, and then clad in a black hoodie, he crept over to the back door of his neighbor's house. He knew that one of the back window locks didn't quite latch from when the Willoughbys lived there. Sure enough, it hadn't been fixed during the sale. Lifting up the window, Lance crawled inside, landing with a thud on the laundry machine. Unfortunately, his pant leg caught on the window latch. Lance was in an awkward position laying face down on the washing machine with his legs straight up the wall, where his pant leg was trapped. Gravity was working against him, but even worse, the leg was attached behind, which prevented him from bending backwards to pull it loose. For 15 minutes, he was stuck upside down, flopping around like a fish out of water, before he heard the terrible sound of the front door opening and feet coming inside. If he wanted to have any chance of getting out of this situation without being found out, he needed to pull his legs free. And so without any other choice, he undid his belt and managed to unbutton his pants. His plan worked, and he was able to pull out of his pants. Unfortunately, as his waist slid out of his pants, his knees came down forcefully on top of the laundry machine, sounding like a cross between a bass drum and thunder. What was that? He heard Leah's voice upstairs as he frantically searched the basement for a good hiding place. It came from the basement, replied Carrie, racing for the stairs before Leah could even begin to urge caution. By the time Carrie was barreling down the old wooden stairs, Lance had found a place to hide behind some large moving boxes. Carrie pulled the chain that turned on the dim overhead light bulb. The basement had so many possibilities, but it would take a lot of work to make it a place for anything but laundry and storage. "'What's going on, Carrie?' shouted Leah from the top of the stairs. "'I don't know. I think somebody's down here,' called up Carrie. "'Then get up here. Don't go looking for trouble,' yelled down Leah. "'Yeah, okay,' replied the tall blonde woman, still peering around the basement for sign of the intruder. She put her front foot on the bottom stair when she saw the pants still hanging from her window. She couldn't help herself. Carrie walked over to the pants and found Lance's wallet in the back pocket. Carrie, get up here, repeated Leah. Leah, come on down. Lance broke into our house, and I think he's still here, replied Carrie. You're kidding me, shouted Leah. I'm on my way. Lance, you have two seconds to get out here. If you make me look for you, 
I'm going to hurt you, called out Carrie as she walked slowly within five feet of him. As she walked past, Lance decided to make a run for it. This was a very bad mistake. Carrie was on him almost immediately. She dove at him, knocking him to the ground. Now you've done it. Lance was in reasonably good shape, and he began to wrestle around with Carrie, trying to shove her off him so he could make his getaway. She wrapped her powerful legs around his stomach and grabbed his wrists in hers. She could tell that Lance was significantly stronger than she was, but he was not a trained fighter. He got up to his feet and attempted to slam Carrie back first into the hard and unforgiving floor, but this only succeeded in making her mad. Let me go, he grunted as the vice of her legs was crushing him and depriving his lungs of much-needed oxygen. No, was all Carrie said. You've done it this time, and now you're going to pay for it. He stumbled to his feet and slammed her back first to the floor again. It was painful, but Carrie was used to ignoring little things like pain when she was so intently focused on a task at hand. Just let me go. I'll let you alone, he said through gritted teeth. Time for a ride, asshole, she said. Suddenly, one of the legs that was wrapped around his waist came up and across his face while she held onto his arm. She rolled over, and now Lance found himself laying face down across the back of her legs. He had one of his arms underneath him, and the other one was still in Carrie's grasp. She extended it straight and twisted it backwards. The strain on his shoulder was unbearable, and he was completely immobilized. "'What's going on?' asked Leah. "'Go get the clothesline,' said Carrie. "'No,' grunted Lance. "'Oh, yes,' taunted Carrie. "'You just lay perfectly still like a good little asshole. "'I will break your arm if you don't.' When Leah brought the rope over, Carrie shifted her position so that Lance was still laying face down, but now she was sitting on his back. Her legs were around his arms, forcing his wrists to cross. "'You got this?' asked Carrie of her less confident lover. "'Yeah, I can tie a guy up,' assured Leah. "'It won't be the first time.' Before long, Lance had been efficiently trussed up in a tight hog tie. He strained, but Leah hadn't left any knots within his reach, and she made sure to cinch the ropes around his wrists and ankles. He wasn't going anywhere. "'Nice one,' admired Carrie. "'This is kidnapping,' complained Lance." A threat was implicit in the way he said it. "'Give it up, Lance. You broke into our place,' chided Leah disgustedly. "'I really don't think the police are going to see home invasion as a kidnapping, do you?' asked Carrie rhetorically as she picked up her phone. "'Hold on,' suggested Leah. "'I may have a better idea. We can leave him down here while we discuss it. It's not like he's going to leave.' "'I suppose,' said Carrie, clearly disappointed." She gave Lance a hard kick in his side, and the two women went back upstairs to discuss things. Lance could only wonder what he had gotten himself into as they turned off the light and closed the basement door. He was down there alone and trapped. The floor was cold on his thighs. He looked over at his pants, and he badly wanted to be wearing them. Upstairs, Leah and Carrie sat on the couch, shared vodka and lemonades, and discussed Lance's fate. After the adrenaline rush of the basement battle, Carrie had a feeling of pure bliss drinking the sour concoctions and feeling her lover lean against her. I'll be honest, Leah. 
I don't really know what there is to discuss. This is a crime, and it's really creepy, too, said Carrie. I know, but you did kind of kill the guy's lawn, replied Leah. That was just grass, said Carrie with a derisive tongue cluck. You know that was his pride and joy, said Leah. Yeah, well, I like my car, and he slashed the tires, replied Carrie. Why don't we give him a choice between prison and our punishment, suggested Leah. And let's say tomorrow he refuses. We can't exactly say to the police that he broke in yesterday, said Carrie. It won't work. Carrie was an electrician in the Marines, but she was still a Marine. In Iraq and Afghanistan, there wasn't a real front line. She'd faced terrorist mortar fire and snipers doing her duty without flinching, but the one thing her drill instructor had never prepared her for was Leah pouting. Please, said Leah with big puppy dog eyes. If the cops arrest him, we'll still have to live next door to him. There must be a better way to teach him a lesson. He just can't see past his bigotry, replied Carrie. So we'll teach him, said Leah. Please? All right. Give me a few hours to tinker in the garage. I think I can make something that will help us, agreed Carrie. Oh, thank you, said Leah, putting her arms around Carrie and kissing her deeply. Lying on the floor of the cold and dark basement, Lance had lost his sense of time. The women had left him alone downstairs some time ago. He was tempted to start yelling, but then what? He was breaking and entering, and their basement was still preferable to an equally cold prison cell. When he heard a solitary pair of footsteps descending the stairs, he didn't know if he should be relieved or worried. When he saw that it was Carrie and not Leah, he chose the second option. Let me go, Carrie, he demanded. You can't hold me forever. Shut up, asshole, spat Carrie. If it was up to me, I would have already called the police. When we're done with you, you might just wish we had. What are you going to do to me? He asked nervously, giving his bonds another test, but finding them just as secure as they had been every other time. Carrie pulled him up to his knees and pulled the elastic waist of his tidy whities and peered down inside. A shiver went up his back. I have to admit, I haven't been with too many men, but I had no idea that they could be that small, mocked Carrie, as she put a metal cage over Lance's cock and balls, locking the device shut with a small padlock. What's that for? It's uncomfortable and cold, complained Lance. It's not like I would ever rape either of you. Think a bit highly of yourself. Are you done? asked Carrie, giving an evil smile and pulling out her cell phone. This is a little something I cooked up for you. I'm a very good electrician, and when I hit the right keys on this app, well, maybe a demonstration is in order. A powerful electrical shock went through Lance's balls. It felt to him like he had been kicked by a mule. He flopped around on the ground, gritting his teeth and hoping the pain would subside. You crazy bitch, he whined. Apologize for that tone, demanded Carrie. That was at power level three. It goes to eleven. I'm not going to one, two. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he stammered. Hmm, now who's the bitch? I am, muttered Lance. Good answer, said Carrie as she untied the bonds from Lance's ankles. Now march up those stairs. This next part is Leah's specialty. You might find you miss the basement floor. 
Lance trudged up the stairs with Carrie close behind him. When he arrived on the main floor, he saw that Leah was already waiting for him in the bathroom, where a kitchen chair was placed in front of the sink. Well, what are you waiting for? asked Carrie. Get in there. Come in and sit down in the chair, Lance, ordered Leah. Look, hasn't this gone far enough? asked Lance. Leave me alone and I promise I'll do the same to you. That would have been a good deal about a month ago, said Carrie. Unfortunately for you, you've gone too far. Now in two seconds, if you're not in that chair, I'm going to give you another shock. Lance practically sprinted into the bathroom and sat in the chair in front of Leah. She draped a sheet over him and played with his hair. Yeah, it's too short, Carrie. I can't do anything with this, said Leah. Then lather him up. Let's get this over with, answered Carrie. Lance couldn't believe it. Leah was lathering up his head with shaving cream. He saw the razor sitting on the sink and realized what she intended to do. Leah, don't do this, pleaded Lance. Sorry, but you brought this on yourself. Now quit your whining or I'm grabbing the remote and zapping you myself, said Leah as she reached for the razor. Carrie looked on, amused by the whole scene. She could see tears welling up in Lance's eyes, and even an actual couple of them rolling down his cheeks. Leah handed Carrie a jar of foul-smelling cream and told her to apply it all over his head, but not get any on her hands, no matter what she did. So with rubber gloves protecting herself, she rubbed the pungent goop onto Lance's now nude head. When Leah returned, she had a hat box in her hand. Pulling the lid off, she revealed a styrofoam head with a glamorous red wig. Triumphantly, she removed the wig from the box and placed it on Lance's head. No, Leah, pleaded Lance. I have to go into work. I can't do it with my hair looking like this. You'll figure something out, replied Leah unsympathetically. Lance looked over to Carrie, but didn't expect to see any sympathy from her. He didn't. Once the glue stuck, the red hair was very firmly attached to his head until it could be removed somehow. Lance sighed and pouted and tried to get used to his full head of glamour girl red hair. Soon Leah was plucking his eyebrows. She didn't put a pencil-thin arch on them, but when she was done they could only be described as feminine. Lance stared in disbelief at how much his appearance was changing. A thorough makeover by Leah only enhanced this. She applied dark eyeliner and mascara, along with blended green and taupe eyeshadow, eyeliner, and a deep red lipstick. Wow, said Carrie, untying his wrists. I could actually be attracted to this loser. Very funny, replied Leah, handing Lance some shaving supplies. Now, Lance, it's time to lose all that nasty hair. Take this shaving cream and razor and shave everything off below your eyebrows. Do not get your makeup wet. You can go into the shower. Lance took the items and went into the bathtub, but hesitated. When he saw Carrie ready the remote, he quickly proceeded to shave off all of the hair on his body. This gave him a very strange androgynous look, like David Bowie in the early 70s. Looking nice and smooth, princess, said Carrie. The guys will just eat you up. Put your hands above your head, ordered Leah. As Lance complied, she took the jar of adhesive that had been used on the wig and this time used it on his chest to attach a pair of breast forms. Lance looked down stunned to find he was now sporting a pair of 38D breasts. You are officially what they call stacked, joked Carrie. 
How do you like having boobies, Lance? asked Leah. I don't, said Lance, disgusted at the question he was being asked to answer. Why are you doing this? I think your problem is that you consider our lifestyle deviant. Well, it's anything but, said Leah. It occurred to me that instead of prison, maybe you should experience what it feels like to be a deviant. But why the makeup? That was my idea. I think you're a misogynist as well as a bigot, so turning you into a woman seemed somehow appropriate, replied Carrie. Now let's get you a figure, said Leah. I don't want you looking like a guy in a dress. This will be my pleasure, said Carrie, picking up a very severe-looking black corset. Come here, Barbie. Lance approached tentatively, but Carrie was forceful as she spun him around. She tightened the laces on the back of the corset so thoroughly that for a moment Lance thought it would slice him in half. Gasping and panting, Lance moaned, I can't breathe. Take shallow breaths, said Leah sympathetically. You'll get used to it. I don't intend to get used to any of this, said Lance gruffly. He caught Carrie and Leah exchanging a knowing smile. Well, intending and doing are two different things, said Leah, approaching Lance with a pair of silky sheer stockings, which she gleefully attached to the garters of the corset. Carrie had him step into a pair of five-inch heels. They were black sandals with a thick ankle strap that she quickly locked on with a small padlock. Is that really necessary? complained Lance. Probably not, said Carrie. It doesn't matter now, though, does it? Now let's get you into your dress, chirped Leah, who was clearly enjoying the elaborate feminization of Lance. The dress she had picked for Lance was a ridiculously sexy purple lace dress that showed a lot of shaved leg and perfectly displayed his breast forms, showing them off without giving away their true nature. He looks perfect said Carrie. If I didn't know better, I'd think he was a woman. He's not quite perfect yet, replied Leah, adding silver heart-shaped earrings and a matching clunky necklace. She sprayed him thoroughly with perfume before declaring the moment of feminine creation. It had been five hours since Carrie had captured him breaking into their basement. He wished that they had called the police. In the morning, he'd be back in that ridiculous corset and those skyscraper heels again, his feet hurt just thinking about it. His arms were over his head, which was how Carrie had placed them when she ran the handcuffs through the headboard holding him firmly in place. He could hear Carrie and Leah making love in the room next door. It was so passionate, almost animalistic, it bothered him. It was immoral. Two women weren't meant to be together. They didn't even have the right parts to do it. He heard Leah tell Carrie that she was more turned on than she had ever seen her. Giving that little bitch what he deserved got me excited, confessed Carrie. You know it's going to get tougher tomorrow, replied Leah. We have a lot to do before the work week starts. If you can handle him here, I'll take care of the rest, said Carrie. Lance couldn't really make heads or tails of their cryptic conversation, but he knew it wasn't going to be good for him. He tried to pull himself out of the handcuffs, but Carrie had been very careful. She had made the handcuffs tight enough to make escape a very difficult challenge, but loose enough to not really hurt him. He drifted off to sleep, worried about what new indignities the morning would bring. He woke up late the next morning to Leah sitting on his bed. The traumatic events had exhausted him, and even he had to sheepishly admit that he had slept like a log in the strange guest bed. 
Leah, please let me go, begged Lance. Sorry, dude, replied Leah. Carrie would kill me, and besides, you did break into our home. You have to admit that this is better than prison, replied Leah. Fine. What am I supposed to do, said Lance, shooting daggers at her with his dark eyes. Well, after we're done getting you presentable, you're going to be cleaning this place, said Leah. Oh, like I'm the maid now? You know that in this arrangement with Carrie, I'm the good cop and she's the bad cop? If you give me attitude or disobey me, you know that you'll have her to answer to. I know. So let's get you cleaned up. I have an awesome maid's outfit I wore for Halloween that you're going to love. I doubt that, said Lance as he was uncuffed and helped to his feet. He thought about trying to make a run for it while in the privacy of the shower, but he didn't really know where to go or how to go there. Instead, he meekly cooperated. He was a little surprised to not see Carrie all day, but he was still humiliated to be cleaning the house of these two lesbians in a maid's outfit, black fishnet stockings, heels, and a lace bra and panty set. The dress was short, but even worse, it put his breast forms on full display. Leah had used makeup to cover up the seams between the forms in Lance's chest to make it hard to tell that he was wearing anything that wasn't all him. I'll teach you how we want the place cleaned, but I expect you to pay close attention so that you can do it on your own from now on. Do you understand? asked Leah. No, I don't. What do you mean in the from now on? I mean you're our maid until we tell you otherwise, and I don't see that happening very soon, replied Leah. Now those floors aren't cleaning themselves. Lance felt terribly self-conscious as he cleaned. He could feel the way that the dress felt hugging his body, and the way that he exposed his panties when he bent over. Of course, the whole time she was supervising his cleaning, Leah was also taking pictures, increasing their hold on him. As Lance cleaned the windows, he saw something unusual. There were three cars that he didn't recognize parked in front of this house and his own, but he couldn't figure out who would be parking at his place. He thought he saw some movement inside his house before Leah called him to the kitchen to help with dinner. Do you know how to cook, Lance? Well enough. What are you making? Nothing too fancy, replied Leah. I'm just making chicken and rice. That's an awful lot of food. We're having company. In fact, go set the dining room table for six, ordered Leah. He didn't like the sound of that, but if he was allowed to leave before the company got here, what difference would it really make? After setting the table, Lance helped in the kitchen trying to be on his best behavior so that his nightmare would mercifully end. Even when Leah went to wash up, he made no real attempt to make a break for it. He didn't want to blow his chance at parole if it was coming. After all, they wouldn't want him at their dinner party. What did lesbians even do at dinner parties, he wondered. And this is our new maid, Lana, announced Carrie as she opened the door. Lance nearly fainted. Behind Carrie were four other women. Wow, you weren't kidding, said a tall redhead. She has a nice ass. And quite a rack, too, snickered an athletic-looking brunette pointing out his fake tits to her friends. Well, don't just stand there, bitch, said Carrie. You've got five working women here. We want beer. Get us drinks. I'd actually prefer red wine if you have any, said a blonde woman who must have been over six feet tall. You heard her. Get us four beers and have Leah tell you where the wine is and bring Sherry a glass of red, insisted Carrie. Resigned to his fate, 
and not wanting to tempt the women to make things any worse for him, Lance stopped what he was doing and took a step towards the kitchen before an African-American woman with piercing eyes stopped him. Hold on a second. Shouldn't she curtsy? Yeah, I like that, agreed Carrie. When you get an order, say yes, ma'am, and curtsy. Yes, ma'am, replied Lance, his face burning red with shame. He did his best to curtsy, but it was an unfamiliar movement. Right away, ma'am. The tall redhead laughed. You need to work on that curtsy. Maybe I'll show you after dinner if you're lucky. Lance entered the kitchen where Leah was hard at work putting the finishing touches on the dinner. I really suggest you do what they tell you, princess. They can be really great. Or they can really make things tough on you if you piss them off. The red wine is in the pantry for now. Be quick. Lance hurriedly served the drinks, almost dropping his whole tray when the extremely tall blonde pinched his ass. When he turned around angrily, she just smirked at him, as if daring him to do anything about it. He sighed and gave the others their drinks. He returned to the dining room, where he finished setting the table before Carrie called him back into the living room. Leah says we've still got about ten minutes until dinner, so I thought we could use some entertainment, she said. You like to dance, right? No, I don't dance, he replied warily. That's okay. I'm sure you'll pick it up soon enough, laughed the redhead. Beyonce work for you, Carrie? asked the African-American girl who was looking through the tracks on an MP3 player. That's perfect, agreed Carrie. Play the music and let's see your best Beyonce, Lana. Soon the music started, and Lance had no choice but to try and move to the rhythm, much to the delight of his audience. Even Leah stepped out of the kitchen for a good laugh at her feminized neighbor. He was not a very good dancer, and neither the heels nor the expectation of feminine movement helped matters any. Finally, almost mercifully, Leah called him into the kitchen and told everybody else to go sit at the dining room table so Lana could serve dinner. Dinner was humiliating, to say the least. The tall blonde pinched his ass again, while the African-American woman pulled him into her lap. He literally was helpless in her grip as she asked him embarrassing questions about his panties, the size of his penis, and if this was really the first time he had worn a dress. When she finally let him go, he was blushing bright red and was all disheveled. Lance was not allowed to eat while the others were eating, and instead was allowed a small plate in the kitchen between cleaning up and making sure the women were supplied with fresh drinks. He was nervous when Leah entered the kitchen telling him, You can go up to the guest room and take off your maid uniform, but hang it up nicely. Thank you, ma'am said Lance, with a much-improved curtsy. He was genuinely thankful to finally be relieved from his maid duties. I laid out an outfit for you. Put it on and come back down, commanded Leah. Lance nearly fainted. She wasn't releasing him. For all he knew, she would be throwing him from the frying pan into the fire. Ms. Leah, when will I be allowed to return home? It's almost time, Lana, assured Leah. Get on the new outfit and Carrie will take you over to your place. Lance went upstairs, and true to her word, he found that Leah had left him a short red hippie chick-style dress, red spike heels, black sheer pantyhose, and a red bra and panty set that was visible underneath his lacy dress. He struggled with the back zipper until Leah appeared in the doorway. I came here to help you touch up your makeup. I guess you can use a hand with that zipper, too. Hasn't this gone on far enough? 
Tonight has been so humiliating, complained Lance as Leah zipped him up and led him over to the vanity. I'm afraid not, Lana, said Leah sympathetically. I really had to plead with Carrie not to just call the cops on you. You're getting off easy, you know. But what's with all the other lesbians? They're not all lesbians. We have straight friends, too, you know. I'm sorry if I was hard on you. Maybe I was even a little jealous of Carrie. I can put it behind me if you can. That's very sweet of you, replied Leah. If you still feel that way when your punishment is over, I'd like that very much. I can at least talk to you. Carrie is a bitch and she's going to hurt me just to make a point. Do not call my wife a bitch, said Leah, flashing anger. Sorry, but it's true. She's a psycho. I warned you, said Leah, pushing down on the button on her remote, shocking Lance and dropping him to his knees, gasping for breath. Just so we understand each other, you will respect both Carrie and myself while you are in our house. Do you understand? Yes, he stammered, holding on to the chair to brace himself. Good. Now let's make you pretty. The rest of the makeover was done in silence. Leah carefully touched up Lance's makeup and gave him a more evening look. Lance didn't want to antagonize her any further, so he cooperated as she completed his transformation. You look fabulous, said Leah. Let's take you downstairs and show you off. No sooner did Lance begin descending the stairs than the women began to whistle and catcall. He felt such burning humiliation that he had never felt before. Here he was, one of the most successful people in town, and they had reduced him to a dress-up doll. Now that's what I call a fine piece of ass, called out the black woman. Wait until he sees what we've done for him, said the brunette. No time like the present, said Carrie. Let's show him. Are you ready to go back to your place, Lana? Yes, please, he pleaded. Then put these on, said the redhead, handing him a pair of steel handcuffs. What? he asked, genuinely confused. Sorry, but you're not leaving here without them, said Carrie. Put them on behind your back. Lance felt even more helpless than he had before. The redhead came over to him and hugged him closely, her arms around his shoulders. Oh, girlfriend, those bracelets are so you. They led him out of the house laughing at his reactions. The first thing he saw was that his house was now flying a large rainbow flag. They had been nice enough to resod his lawn, but it would take forever for the grass to grow back. Carrie ran ahead and opened the door to his house. He was helped walking by the tall blonde and the redhead, who each stood on one side of him. On unsteady knees, he entered to see that he no longer recognized his house. His front parlor had been given a makeover as complete as his own. They had completely repainted the room in a soft pink. The paintings in the room had been replaced, with extremely feminine art showing ballerinas and old-fashioned ads. Even the furniture had been changed with more feminine chairs and heart-shaped pillows. His coffee table and end table were filled with feminine knickknacks. A silver frame, shaped like the word love, now adorned his coffee table with four pictures of himself in feminine poses filling it out. Why did you do all this? asked Lance. I don't understand. This is just the beginning. We did your whole house, said Carrie. The look of shock and horror on Lance's face caused all of the women to laugh. Since you feel so strongly about alternate lifestyles, we thought we'd give you one of your own. 
Wait till he sees the male fertility mural I painted in his bedroom, chirped the tall blonde with glee. I swear you just painted a bunch of dicks on the wall, said the redhead. You have no appreciation for art, replied the blonde. At least Lana has the culture to appreciate it. No, no, I can't live here, complained Lance. Like you have a choice, replied Carrie. Why don't you have a seat? Lance didn't like this one bit. Something was wrong. Where his favorite chair had been was a pink leather recliner, but in the middle of the seat was a large pink phallus. The black woman was applying some sort of lube to it as Carrie and the tall blonde led Lance over. They turned him around and placed him quickly on the chair, the force of gravity pushing his virgin asshole onto the leather dick. As he gasped and moaned at the unfamiliar sensations, they quickly strapped his wrists and ankles into the chair and reclined it back. The redhead sat on the arm of the chair, straddling Lance seductively. I'm Marcy, she said. I'm between apartments, so Carrie said you wouldn't mind if I moved in with you for a while. I know we're going to be great friends. Welcome home, Lana, said Carrie. Welcome home. The End So the woman who read that was a woman named Suzanne Fortin, and I think she did a really, really good job on it. I hope you liked that uh, story. I gave you kind of a long one just because I felt like, oh my gosh, am I even going to be able to get a podcast tonight? And so I said, uh, well, let's, let's give them an oldie but a goodie. So some of this has been heard before on this podcast, but only a small little snippet. And that was, uh, as I said, feminized by his lesbian neighbors. And I think I created that podcast about five years ago, not that podcast, that audio about five years ago. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, that's it for our podcast, uh, for this week. Um, episode, uh, numbers have been creeping back up, which is terrific, um i hope uh you're enjoying it uh be back next week i will be too take care